This podcast is offered by Black Mountain Zen on the web at blackmountainzen.org. Our public offerings are made possible by the kind donation from people like you. All systems go. (laughs) You know, as I've been saying about Anapanasati, there's two ways to think about it, right? It's this exquisite yoga of absorption into deep concentration in uh, consciousness, you know? And then the other way to think about it is, this is what's happening all the time. I mean, who isn't breathing? Who's alive? (laughs) Well, you know, that's, that's how it is. Who doesn't have a body? You know? Who doesn't have a breath that's breathing in that body? Well, some people, but they're, they're in uh, dire straits. Um, so from this, proce- from this perspective, the process is about um, opening up to what's happening. Huh? And then I started off saying, well, that isn't a random process. Maybe when you're three days old it is, but um, as you age and you develop habits and um, ways of thinking, habitual ways of thinking, feeling, and behaving, that gives rise to a disposition. It gives rise to a preoccupation. And then in the middle of that preoccupation, how can we become aware of it? Engage what's something, engage something that's fundamental to the whole thing, the breath. You know? and, and then I talked about the breath, the first four sections. The breath, as it becomes embodied, and how that embodiment becomes potent. And we, we can actually engage the body with the breath that starts to release some of that psychosomatic uh, contraction. And then we can in take the very same process and we can apply it to the mind, you know? Because um, what are the mental formations other than an interplay of thought and response to what's conceived and, and and entwined with emotions. And what does that happen? Well, that that's registering in the body. And 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 we we can take this same process to the mental formations. We we notice acknowledge, engage, and soften. You know, you usually the mental formation creates a reality, and that reality has a kind of way in which it solidifies. You know? And usually with an emotional accompaniment. A- a- and as as we register it in the body, as we breathe into it and breathe out of it, it it, it becomes palpable. The the contraction that happens around mental formations, in particular the difficult ones, we we can start to notice the contraction and breathe that releasing breath. And so the second four sections are about um, connecting, engaging, calming. And that's what I was trying to talk about yesterday. And then we're ready to start practice. And
I have a, a grandson who's three, three and a half to be precise. And um, a while back, about a month ago, a couple of months ago, he discovered this new way of responding, I think primarily to adults, you know. When you're small, you know, adults are, you know, incredibly annoying and trying to impose their <laughs> their limited reality on your wonderful, <laughs> expansive, childlike imagination. <laughs> anyway, uh, w one thing he learned to do uh, when something or someone met, particularly someone met his displeasure, was to say, I don't like you. <laughs> Anyway, we had some kind of interaction, and and I'd heard I'd heard him do this, and anyway, we had some kind of interaction, and he said, "I don't like you," and I said, "Oh, that's lovely," <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me like, "You didn't get that? <laughs> I didn't like you," <laughs> and I said, "Oh, that's so sweet of you." And then, like, he was starting to get it, and then he said it again. And then I repeated, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> and, and, and then eventually he started saying it faster and faster, and he'd say, I don't like you, I don't like you, I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and then we got to this place where... It had taken on the level of absurdity, you know, <laughs> and, and he was kind of um, amused and delighted by, you know, by the whole event, you know. <laughs> um, and that. I mentioned that not just as an excuse to talk about my grandson, <laughs> but, <laughs> but actually, it, it's, it says something about the nature of mind, you know. Um, st different mental formations arise for us, and then, and, and usually, they either are not new. Or we associate them, you know, with previous experiences, you know, and you know we could look at the mechanisms that are proposed within Buddhism or Western psychology. But either way, this is what happens: it's like experience and what gets associated, and then it, it's it's interesting how you know, I say to you, I don't like you, then you're upset, and then get hostile and then I get hostile to you and then we just you know it it has it continues it 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 grows and and the embedded assumptions um are perpetuated you know and and and, and they create a kind of constriction you know in the experience of what's happening and and when it's disrupted, when I say to you I don't like you, and you say oh that's lovely, it's like wait a minute you're not <laughs> you're not you're not doing your part in this, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you're supposed to be upset. <laughs> you, you, you're supposed to feel the pain of my withdrawal of affection. <laughs> um, when something's disrupted then some new possibility, you know? And, and the, v the very arising of possibility sort of charms the mind, you know? E even though we, we have a deep impulse to express our suffering, you know? I'm displeased with you. You need to know that. You know? Um, e even though the, 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 the basis of our being is 
anxious to express itself. In in a way, it's kind of tedious for us, you know. Like there's, no, there's nothing as tedious as watching yourself go through a loop and then go through a loop and then go through a loop. Or there's nothing as heartbreaking than being in a relationship that keeps falling into a painful pattern. No. And to and to be able to make a shift, to not get hooked, to interject something other than the habituated impulse. No. In Buddhism, it says it gladdens the mind. And this is number 10. But we'll go back to number 9. Um, so, th- you, you know, as, as we all learn in our practice, um, if you can just see the, the thought, the mental formation that arises, just see it, experience it, and let it fade, well, terrific. If it has a charge, if it has a continuance, you know, then then something more deliberate. We're not pushing against it, you know, what I was trying to say yesterday. If our diligence becomes a competition with the energy stream of our habituation. Um, it, 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 as a process, it doesn't work. You know. Th- there's there's one of the early suttas where it, it says, like a wrestler talking about wrestling with your mind, like a wrestler grabs his opponent and pins him to the ground. Th- this is the admonition, and and s- and interestingly, sometimes that stands alone like that. But there's actually another version of the very same sutta. I remember hearing Thich Nhat Hanh talk about this, and he says the extended version says uh, about the, the method of wrestling to the ground. The extended version then goes on to say. That doesn't work. (laughs) 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 That's kind of like a wasted time, yeah. (laughs) Like you, you know, you're not going to take yourself and wrestle yourself to the grind. You are yourself, you know. It's like (laughs) (laughs) no, it's about um, in in the method of anapanasati. It's like fostering a disposition in the body. In the in the in the mind, that that then is not so reactive, is 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 not so uh, hooked, is n- is not so readily grabbing and repeating the old story. And so nine is about those moments, which you've probably had today. And maybe you didn't notice it, but it's because sometimes, uh, like in in Zen, we say nothing special. Sometimes the clamor goes quiet, and it's just ordinary. You're just walking along, nothing special, just walking along looking at the grind, hearing the birds. Um, but, but in that moment, the habituated clamor and all its commentaries and, and, and repetitions has softened, has loosened. And, and the skillful practice is to let it be what it already is. You know? 
maybe we could say, to reside in the being that's already present. You know, to re reside in the simplicity of that moment. In that moment when we're not busy making it what it, it needs to be, or stopping it being what it shouldn't be, but just in that moment. You know? And these moments, as we become skillful, we can bring them in to our meditative process. But they just occur anyway. You know, you get to that point in Sashin, in retreat. Ah, Sashin. <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> get to that point in retreat where uh, the clamor that you brought with you to the retreat is it's quieting down, you know? The diligence of letting go, letting go, seeing, noting, acknowledging, letting go, um, has produced moments of spaciousness. Yeah. Like if you think about your experience in retreat, the kind of um, sort of nervous energy of anticipation. Yeah. And then you come and then you start to engage in your nervous energy and your sincerity produce a diligence of engagement. You know? And then this becomes like the new normal. Well, this is what I do. I get up and I go to that room and I sit there and... <laughs> and somebody else makes my breakfast. I mean, that's <laughs> it's not all bad. <laughs> But it becomes the new normal, and in my diligence to make it something softens, you know, and it becomes itself. And as diligent as you were about noticing agitated mind or getting caught in this thought or this feeling or this memory or this anticipation, to savor, to savor those moments of being, of nothing special, you know, th those moments of simplicity, you know. And similarly in Zazen, in uh, awareness practice, however you want to name it. Um, it's more like we're savoring what's arising, the experiences of being with the breath. Yeah. And, and, and the great gift of mindfulness of breath is that as we follow the breath, the very process of following has the wonderful combination of attention and a kind of letting be. And, and as we connect to letting be, it's very close to savoring. You know? but, but we can savor um, any moment, you know. I do walking meditation. But what if walking gives rise to phenomena and they're just savored? Not like some great diligent practice, but just here's how it is. And 
And as it's savored in that way, it has its own being. It, it has its own particularity of being. And this gladdens the mind. My grandson looked at me like, what's this? This is not what happens when I behave like this. This is brand new. This is great. <laughs> I like it. I like it so much I can't even remember all that agitation and that got me into that in the first place. It's like that. We sort of forget why we're so unhappy. <laughs> you know? It, it, it's like the simple thing in front of you. It's like, this is pretty good. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, like, standing in line waiting for breakfast, it's kind of lovely, <laughs> you know? its own thing. It's not really waiting for breakfast, it's its own event. You know, it's not contingent upon what happened before or what's going to happen next. You know. It, it, and, and so, as the mind-heart gladdens, you know, as the mind-heart starts to be less convinced of its own unhappiness, of the insistence of its own unhappiness, um, it's as if possibility comes into being. Well, if you're not going to respond the usual way when I say I don't like you, what the heck is going to happen? <laughs> if, if I'm not just the product of my past karmic conditioning, well then, then what? No. And that mind becomes, you know, wieldy pliable, adaptable, directable, you know. And, and, and this is the, uh, you know, this is the place we find ourselves in as we continue on retreat, you know. At a certain point, it's like, okay, I'm in this and I'm doing it. You know, I'm, I'm going, I'm paying attention. It doesn't always, like, go into samadhi, but there it is. Um, and maybe occasionally we, we sort of fall off the wagon and, you know, and whatever comes our way, whatever our karmic disposition is, we start counting the the hours until it's over or... You know, where we start fantasizing. You know, as soon as I get out of here, I'm going to whatever, you know. <laughs> whatever fabulous and wonderful thing I can do outside of here, you know. Someone told me once, he said, he got this, um, you know, obsession. As soon as I get out of here, I'm going to buy a packet of Reese's Punter, Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> and he ate them, and they made him sick. <laughs> you know? So, so at this turning point, you know, what will you pluck out of the future? Happiness or sadness, you know? the answer to your craving 
or you know the dread of your uh, difficulties. But w- with this more settled, appreciative mind, it's like, hmm, look at this. Look at this arise. And, and the automatic hooking, the automatic reactiveness of the mind, when we're in that mode, we don't even notice. We're just in it, you know? Boom, there we go. Reese's pound of butter cookies, I'm gone. <laughs> How long is it till we're done? <laughs> Where's the nearest store? <laughs> um, when the mind's calmer, then what arises can be itself. Yeah. A- and and it can be attended to intentionally rather than karmic habitually. Yeah. And And this is the great gift. I just want to look at, I, I'm torturing myself by looking at four different uh, translations. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's very interesting to see, you know, one says concentrating the mind, one says stilling the mind, one says steadying the mind. And sometimes when you look at a number of translations, you you sort of get the range, you know? Okay. I would say stilling as in the reactiveness is, 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 you know, somewhere between not dictating and has fallen away. And I would say every one of us in this retreat, if if you watch carefully, those moments occur. And usually, because they're nothing special, they just like, they're dismissed. Oh, you're not special. Now, this suffering, that's special. (laughs) That's very special. This yearning, oh, my best friend. (laughs) So this is why I say the savoring, because then, as as we savor the nothing special, we can start to experience the mind rather than its objects. It's like when the, when the mind isn't busy generating objects, you know, thoughts about this, thoughts about that, feelings about this and that, you know. When the chitta sankara are not being pr- produced at such an effusive, demanding rate, then then we can start to like, savor just the state of mind of the moment. And this has its own attribute of stillness, steadiness, and and then even it stimulates some of the attributes of concentration. You know, we can say, awareness is the natural attribute that keeps getting clouded over by the agitations and distresses that arise. And when they fall away, there's this, what in Zen is called, original mind. Or um, sometimes it's called um, natural residing. You You can see it across the traditions. You know, 
and, and it has its own um, you, you know the same way we can think of when we hold the emotional difficulties and we release, we soften around their agitation and contraction, you know, there's a healing. It's, it's almost as if the mind itself, in, in its compression, in its contraction, starts to heal. It, 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 it's like the senses open, you know? Like sometimes we come to the moment and then we start hearing the birds. We sort of heard them before, but now we hear them because we're available. You know? And I hope this doesn't sound like some exotic um, impossible thing to do. It, it's it's extraordinarily accessible. Yeah. How amazing this moment is just the way it is. This collection of people. This time in our lives. Here we are. You know. Who'd have thought when we were kids we'd end up like this? <laughs> but we have. <laughs> we have ended up like this. Okay. In, and as we enter the moment, something like appreciation, you know? It's um, you know, in directed attention, as directed attention becomes sustained, and absorption b starts to click in. And I was saying uh, yesterday, I think it was yesterday, that the object of attention starts to become sticky. You know, it it it's, it starts to become more evident and palpable. With, with this original mind, with this open mind, it's like whatever arises is more palpable, you know. So we could call it concentration, you know. To be a little bit technical about it, it's more in the territory of samadhi, you know, which can be translated, here's why I'm going to translate it, continuous contact, in contrast to one-pointedness. You know? and, 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 and so the, the concentration of this mind is availability. And then I would say exquisitely it nurtures our being. It's extraordinary. Sometimes when I contemplate this, I think, if it's so great, why aren't we all enlightened all the time? You know, like why, why, why are we prone to choose other options? When you look carefully at your own workings, it usually seems like the last option is awakening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try everything else first. <laughs> You know, let's see what else might work, you know. Um, but it has its own uh, appreciation. And then what it does is, in its fullness, the, the usual mind that's experienced, the karmic mind, that's experiencing um, lacking, you know, there's, there's too much of this, there's too little of that. Uh, you, you know, Dogen Zenji says, it's forgotten, you know. 
like my grandson, you know, the game became so absurd, he forgot. <laughs> you know? And it's interesting, now when he says to me, I don't like you, I just look at him like, yeah, I've heard it before. <laughs> I'm not born for that. <laughs> And as we soak in this, you know, it, we're, we're inviting uh, a kind of liberation. Um. And then, th this mind that's now no longer obsessed about uh, resolving the issues of its painful life, um, can be directed towards examination of the Dharma, the Dharma of how things are. You know? It's like, okay, now, now you've stopped hurting yourself for a few moments, Let's look at that whole process so that maybe you won't be so obsessed by it. And, and then the last four um, phases of Anapanasati are that process. No? And, and, and they are, you know, Everything is impermanent. You know? Maybe your mind in its repetition experiences a, a permanent world. But with close attention, just watch for a while, it, everything changes. And then the next one goes a more subtle level. It goes to the level of, um, and if you watch carefully, you can see it change. You can see that existence pass into non-existence. Yeah. And sometimes when we, when we, especially when there's, uh, when that happens, in a concentrated state, it's like the grind falling out from under you. you know? And, and, um, and, and it when it first happens, it's interesting, you, you can either be exhilarated or really frightened, you know? It's and um, but this fading away, no. and then the final refinement, the the last two, are relinquishment and cessation. No relinquishment is that you okay now you see that you're making up all these stories and then you're living them as the totality of reality and you just let it go. <coughs> now, you, know, you know, and of course the degree to which you're involved in the process, you know, the let it go might be a sentiment. And then w when you're immersed in the process, it, it's, you know, it, it, it's so potent that it's let go and won't be picked up again. And the final one is um, common translation is cessation. Um,
But I must admit, that word doesn't quite do it for me. For like, ah, yeah, cessation, cessation. That's not much fun. <laughs> you know, um, but not suffering, I'm all for that. <laughs> Having each day appear like an abundance of possibility. Yes, sign me up. You know. Have me not just caught up in my endless loops and, and, you know, imagining problems that don't exist. Yes, I'm up for dropping that. That kind of cessation, you know. There's, there's something in the human condition that's um, passionately interested in liberation. You know? As I say, to me, it's it's a marvelous mystery that that we uh, we generate so many substitutes. How could anyone think that Reese's peanut butter cups are the path to happiness? <laughs> Although maybe there's someone in this room, you know, who's kind of like a little ashamed, and I'm thinking, gee, I always thought they were. <laughs> but if we look at ourselves, you know, we will see inside ourselves our own mythologies, you know, if only, you know. If only that would happen or that would not happen, you know. Um, so that kind of cessation, you know, that steady, compassionate sanity that says, okay, let it go. It's not helping. It's not helping me. It's not helping anybody else. It doesn't bring happiness. It doesn't bring contentment. It doesn't. It doesn't bring a skillful response to the human condition. It doesn't make me compassionate. It doesn't you know? Let it go. You know, and when you put it into words and ideas like that. Yeah, that's nice, but what about when it settles to the bottom of your being? You know? And what about when you acknowledge that the whole process healing, steadying, settling opening, releasing. The whole process is a gift. Every single step of it, you know? You know, it's not saying, okay, do this and torture yourself and it'll be excruciatingly painful and embarrassing. No, it's like saying from the very start, letting your body breathe will be help. Um, okay, that's Anapanasati. <laughs> and um, we have a little time left for um, as Simon taught me today, Q and C, question and comment. This is the new and improved version of Q&A, question and answer. Um, but before we go to that, um, I'd like to talk about, uh, the other thing I'm to talk about is dana. And um, I think it's amazing what Gil has done here. You know, the fact that everything is free. You know, you can walk out that door without uh, 
paying a penny. In fact, either way, you won't pay a penny. You will make a gift to a future yogis coming here to practice. You know. When when Gil told me he was going to do this, you know, and we, you know, Gil and I are buddies, and we talk about this sort of stuff. And he was, and I was saying, is it going to be okay? Well, we'll wait and see. You know. Like we'll see if it works, uh, and um, it works because right in our hearts, along with this wish for liberation, there is uh, a wish for our collective well-being. You know, what greater gift than to let someone come and immerse in the Dharma? that our whole world could, you know? Instead of fighting wars, we could do a retreat together, you know? <laughs> yeah. So that's how the place runs. Um, it, it runs on goodness. You know, it runs in the goodness of people's hearts, our hearts. Uh, that what we have savored we can be offered to others. So, um, so we have the um, opportunity to keep that virtuous cycle going, you know. Okay, so that's the Donna pitch. Um, you know, this is the first time I've ever done a retreat that had this much yoga uh, mixed in with the meditation. Um, And for me, it's actually a thrill to do it. You, you, you know, I, I do feel, as I watch people struggle with their posture and, uh, and just their level of physical discomforts inhibiting, you know, this kind of expansiveness, you know, and and having you know benefited from yoga myself, it's like oh, this is a gift, you know, and quite compatible, you know. And um, maybe I'll leave my email address, and you can, because uh, in some ways I'd like to hear every single one of your responses. You know, what did you notice? How did it affect your breath? You know. How did it affect your meditation? How did it, you know, facilitate your involvement in um, the process of practice? But we have um, 13 minutes. Uh, but um, maybe if you have any um, questions. And I will leave my email address, and you and you, you can uh, email me your insights, your observations, your kind of ways it worked for you, ways it didn't. You know, it's always a challenge. You know, you look around the room, and this person's been doing yoga forever, and then this person thought yoga was uh, a milky drink. You know. <laughs> No, no, that's yogurt. <laughs> um, any comments or questions? Yes? I have a question about the breath in, in sitting. Um, I've noticed that when I'm sitting, I tend to be more 
mm. or are we engaging it in a way to, you know, maybe loosen some of those places that are clutched? Yeah. You know, the full answer is quite complex in, in, in that depending upon your tendency, like if, if your tendency is to overstrive, well then the emphasis is more on um, allowing. If, if, if your tendency is towards um, distraction, then using the breath more as sustaining attention and contact, you know. So in general my notion was, well, we'll do these exercises that facilitate diaphragmatic breathing. Diaphragmatic breathing um, has a physicality to it that's supportive of engaging the body. And, and you know, and that's what I was trying to present. And then that that engaging the body um, diaphragmatically, it, it also has a physiological soothing attribute to it too. Yeah. And and so both the soothing and the tendency towards physical connection was what I was trying to foster. And, and then the variations on the theme, uh, as I would say, you know, like allow the breath, you know. And, and then the other pieces I added in, like breathe in the thoughts, breathe in whatever arises. Uh, like an antidote to don't struggle with this, you know. You don't, don't try to uh, stop thinking. Don't try to, you know, make some kind of pure presence out of your breath. Engage the process in it will move with engagement and the lotus will bloom and we'll all be happy and Yeah. I did my yoga. Yeah. <laughs> I just, but being in the room together with all of us doing yoga and and seeing that connection with the breath, it was, it was, it was mind blowing. Great. It was beautiful. Thank you. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions or comments? Yes. Um, you know, within meditation, as, as we normally think about it, you know, a, a process of relating to consciousness, there, there's an amazing body of wisdom and a craft that goes with that wisdom. And similarly with yoga, you know. There's an amazing body of wisdom about the workings of the body. Um, and in the alignment of the body is, is supported by sitting in full lotus in a certain way. But it's by no means essential. You know? and, and if you make it a goal, and then you, you know, it can, it can actually do you a disservice. You know, then you're uh, somehow distracting yourself with something. But in in the more s s subtle alignment, uh, 
that yoga offers, it, it can facilitate um, the breath coming down. Like, uh, you, you know, there, there's certain breathing techniques in yoga that activate the perineum. The perineum has a nerve that runs up into the diaphragm. And so as you activate the perineum, you're influencing the whole process of breathing. And as that's influenced, the nasal passages are influenced. A human body is amazing, you know, the, the, the finer workings of it. And like I was saying, you know, we could say, oh, well, let's all do a retreat for a year and get into, you know, the depths of uh, the jhanas. But we can also say, well, let's do this and find it in ordinary mind. And I would say the same with yoga. We can find diaphragmatic breathing in ordinary mind. You know? And actually, it's a great thing to do. It, it, you know, it stimulates our health, stimulates our digestive system, it stimulates our energy flow. I mean, it's not like there's a whole bunch of bad stuff to it. And it stimulates our meditation. them four at a time? Would it make sense? Um, of course. <laughs> you know? I mean, if you think about it, um, you know, in some ways you can say, well, it takes a couple of days to settle. But you could also say, ah, it takes about three months. You know? <laughs> Yeah. And you know, it, it's like the sutta is saying, well, when you've sort of worked on your own distress and settled it some, okay, then, then you're ready to take this and have it be a tool, you know, and, and it will accommodate these many aspects of consciousness that f can express awakening. Yeah. So of course it would be. Did you have a question, James? I'm curious if you think that Zen might um, evolve more with yeah. movement because you know, chanting, um, there's a lot of, uh, like, you know, some temples in Japan, <coughs> almost like a choreographed level of activity that happens. You know, usually it's a well, the way I think about it is, if you look at Dharma in the West, I mean, it's 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 an amazing flowering, you know. I mean, I must say, some of it I look at and I think, really, <laughs> but you know, someone sent me an article and it was about the word Zen, and it said there, there are 754 active trademarks for, for words that have the word Zen in them. You know, Zen desk, Zen this, Zen that. 754. And one company is suing another company for the use of the word Zen <laughs> in their title. I mean, I, I think human beings are always creating variations on a theme. Yeah. And um, so I'm happy to explore this, you know, and see will it lead somewhere, you know?
I mean, in some ways, it's it's just a way of saying, this works for me, maybe it'll work for you. You know, maybe it won't, but, you know, maybe it will. And as I said before, you know, when I see people talk about coming to a retreat or Sashin as if, okay, well, I did this ordeal, you know, and maybe it's more so with Sashins because there, there's more to what's prescribed, what's presented. Um, when I hear people say, oh, it's an ordeal, you know, you do this ordeal and then you're kind of like purified by the suffering of it, you know? <laughs> it's okay. it's okay. You know, it's a really strange notion of, of what liberation is. <laughs> it's, it's certainly, it's my hope, you know, that people would, you know, sit with some comfort and and engage more fully in what else the dharma has to offer the dharma and and the the yoga of meditation has to offer okay thank you very much unless somebody has some burning question they need to say and i will leave my email address the question I want to ask is, did it help, you know? Uh, okay, thank you. So as we've been doing the last couple of nights, we'll take a short break, like a bathroom break, and then we'll come back and we'll, we'll sit for 25 minutes. So even though your knees may not be so enthusiastic. I hope you'll come. <laughs>